So uh, I want us to look at the fivefold. There is a lot of uh, there's a lot of uh, misunderstanding, uh, wrong doctrine, or erroneous doctrine. There's also a lot of half truths on this very vital subject. I mean, the fivefold is something. It is strange that it is one of the least understood things in the body of Christ. Meanwhile, it is one of the things that we have to, uh, I mean, we are faced with it every day. Without the fivefold, the body of Christ cannot be edified. So I want us to look at a couple of scriptures. Somebody turn to... uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. But maybe we'll start with Ephesians chapter 4. Let's start with Ephesians chapter 4. We'll read from verse 7. So, I'm sure you already suspect that our main verses are verse 11, 12, and 13. And most, most especially verse 11. But, we'll start with verse 7 because I want you to see something in verse 7. Now in verse 7 he says, But to each one of us, but to each one of us, verse 7, grace was given according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Now, Paul is about to introduce the subject of the fivefold graces, the fivefold ministry offices. He says, But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Now, the word translated measure here is very important. It's a word, it's the word metron, metron, M-E-T-R-O-N. That's the word translated measure here. Why is it important? This word means sphere or domain of influence. The word metron here. You know, when we read, when we just read it in English, measure, it doesn't really tell us what it is. But he says, but to each one of us, this is very important. I want you to get this. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the boundaries according to the sphere, according to the domain of influence of the gift of Christ, meaning that Christ has given us in His grace. Christ has assigned you to a sphere of influence. He has assigned you to a metron. He has assigned you to a sphere. And there is grace that is given to you according to that sphere. Now, this is important why. I love this because it gives me very wonderful news. And that news is what? I have grace for the people that God is calling me to. I have grace for the area that God is calling me to. Listen. Sometimes you see one lady take the microphone and begin to sing. And everybody in the room is moved. People think it's anointing. But this sister has not prayed for two months. She hasn't done anything. But there is 
some grace that was given her for her sphere. So whenever she finds herself in that sphere, even when she has been prayerless, <laughs> even though she has not been fellowshipping with God, there is some level of grace that you will experience. Do you hear what I'm saying? But now this grace will become stronger with her fellowship with God, with her study, with her consecration, with her investment. But the grace is there. That's why I'm trying to be sensitive to the Holy Ghost and not be fooled by natural grace. Grace that people just receive. It means that even before you become serious, because of your calling, there are already some things that your life can produce. This is good news. This is good news. Listen to me. Listen to me. If you are a preacher, if you are a minister, I I love this because it tells me something. I have grace. (laughs) Demons must obey me whether I've prayed or not because in my sphere, they are part of the things that must happen. Miracles must happen according to the metron that Christ has assigned to me. Like, Listen, there are things that must happen without me stressing. You have to understand that. You have to become aware of the grace. In many instances, Paul said, I say this to you by the grace that God has given me. Many of you are not aware. You are not aware of the grace that God has given you. When a minister of the gospel becomes aware of the grace, when you become aware of the grace you have, things change. Even in the days when you know that you are not at your best, you know you have grace. That's why many times you hear me talk about the grace of God upon my life. Because I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. I want somebody to become aware of the grace that God has placed on your life by virtue of your calling. There is grace over you. There is a grace you have. Before you even start praying. Before you start doing anything. He says each one of us has received grace. This one did not wait for us to start praying. To start fasting. No. It didn't wait until we did any of those things. And there are people who have become aware of this grace. They are living very, they are leading very carnal lives. They are not as serious as you are, but they are more conscious of the grace that came with their calling. And so they are doing things you can do or things you don't do, even though you are more loaded than than them. Quick, quick, quick. Let me open this quick window very fast. This is a very fundamental uh, principle for ministration. A lot of you don't know how to minister. Some of you are so loaded, but you don't know how to give out what you have. Some of you don't know how to administer the grace of God that is upon your life. You don't know that. One day we will take time and we will teach you how to minister. How to release, how to release what you have. Two, some, two people, two preachers can enter the same room. Two song ministers can climb the same, the same stage. The moment one opens the mouth, she will make a statement. The other will just take the mic 
and make a similar statement or just begin to sing. One will provoke something in that place that the other didn't provoke. Not necessarily because the one who provoked it is more anointed. This is one thing I want you to know. There are dangerous anointings just sitting there, not knowing how, how to come out. Some of you are loaded, though. Some of you are dangerously loaded. Some of you are loaded. I'm telling you. But you don't know how to do it. Principle number one for the release of the grace of God upon your life. Acts chapter 3. And there stood at the gate called Beautiful, a lame man. Peter and John were going to the temple at the hour of prayer. It was the third hour in the afternoon. It was three o'clock. They were going for prayer. They They met this man sitting there at the gate called Beautiful. The Bible says that the man asked for alms. Key number one, the statement that Peter made. Uh, it's not such as we have. What did he say first? What did he say first? Look on us. Look on us. Look on us. Look on us. Don't look on God. Look on us. 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 Everything he said next was the result of look on us. The guy knew the crazy carried. Look at me. By that statement, he established the atmosphere for a miracle. Some of you don't know how to establish an atmosphere for a miracle. Some of, and, 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 you see, some of you, especially the song ministers, preachers are deceiving you. You think they're doing things you can't do. No, it is because they're applying principles you don't apply. When I enter a room and I say, somebody's leaving this place healed today, by that statement, I create an atmosphere. I create an expectation. He said, look on us. At times I will say, as my hand touches you, the power of God will come upon you. I'm creating an expectation. Before I said it, in fact, as you see my hand approaching, power is already, you're already beginning to, to shake under the power. I created an expectation. This was my, say, my way of saying, look at me. All of these, my daughters and sons who are singing, when you take the microphone to sing, the day you want to see miracles, make a declaration as we worship God today, as you take this song with me, if you were sick in your body, you will be healed. The day you begin to make those statements that preachers make, you also begin to see results that preachers see. Man. Simple, 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 simple. You don't, you don't create an expectation. And so nothing happens. 
in the lives of people most of the times. Now, there are dimensions when you're so full. Sometimes you don't need to say anything. Sometimes, you know, no, sometimes the minister will not need to announce anything. It will still happen. But there are ways that you trigger some of these things. Look on us. Become aware of the grace you have. Become aware of the anointing you have. And out of it, you can create an expectation in those who listen to you. And then he says, such as we have, we give unto you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Amen? So, each one of us, I want you to make this statement, Lord, I thank you for the grace upon my life. See, there is grace. Oh, I, I, I am glad that you recognize the grace upon other people's lives. It is high time you also begin to recognize God's grace upon your life. Until you recognize God's grace upon your life, you cannot give it to other people. Recognize that grace. Some of us here, we know our grace. I know my grace. And the more, and with the passing of time, my knowledge of that grace increases. It's not like I have a full knowledge of it. But my, with the passing of time, my knowledge of the grace that God has bestowed upon me increases. You must know your grace. You must know your grace. And you will begin to identify the characteristics of that grace. The kind of things that that grace produces. By virtue of the grace of God upon my life, there are some kinds of things that I expect. When I speak, when I minister, there are things I expect. There are things I expect. There is an authority that is attached to the grace that God has given to me. There are things I expect to happen. And there are things I expect to be able to do. There are things I expect. There are signs I expect. There are are things I expect in the lives of people. Therefore, it says, verse 8, When he ascended on high, he captured, you know, he took captivity, uh, he, he took captivity captive. And he gave gifts to men. Now, and I want you to understand that the gifts that he gave to men, the chief of all those gifts, are the ones he mentions in chapter 11. Because he says what? He gave gifts to men. And what does he say in verse 11? And he gave some apostles. He didn't say he gave the apostolate to some people. Now listen, what what, what I mean by this is is this. Even though he also gave them the apostolate. But, verse 8, he gave gifts to men. And then verse 11, he gave some apostles. So the apostles are the gifts he gave to men. The prophets are the gifts he gave to men. There are many gifts that God will give men. 
But the five greatest gifts He gave us, apart from the Holy Ghost, apart from His own presence in our life, is the fivefold ministry. Amen. And that is why anyone who has a fivefold calling, you must know, is not propaganda, is not flattery, we're not flattering you. You are a gift to humanity. Amen. You don't just have a gift. You are a gift. Listen, every, every human being is a gift to humanity in one way or the other. But you are a gift to all the gifts. You are the gift of gifts. I want you to understand, those of you who have a fivefold calling, that you are the most important thing God has on earth. That's why when we see pastors, prophets, evangelists, apostles, uh, teachers joking with their calling, it's because they don't know. They don't know. When I see a pastor boasting, because he entered the office of a minister, I'm like, oh God, oh Lord, deliver us from shame. <laughs> How can you consider it an honor that you entered the... It's not even that the person even came to your house. You entered his office. You need to understand this. So now, listen very carefully. He says, verse 11, let me skip 9 and 10. And he gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, uh, pastors and teachers, right? For the perfecting of the saints. This is the goal. I'll, I'll, I'll come back to, to certain things on verse 11. But let me just clear this other one out. This is the goal. For the perfecting of the saints. For the work of the ministry. So all the saints are in ministry. It's not the fivefold who are in ministry. The fivefold prepare the saints... For the work of the ministry. The fivefold are in ministry. Uh, I mean, the saints are in ministry. Every child of God is in the ministry. Read us your version, please, man of God. Uh, why is it that he gives us these special abilities to do certain things best? Mm -hmm. It is that God's people will be equipped to do better work for Him, building up the church, the body of Christ, to a position of strength and maturity. Wow. Hallelujah. Very powerful. So that is the goal. And the biggest sin of the church of Jesus Christ in this day and age 
has been the failure of doing this. The biggest sin of the Church of Jesus Christ has been to focus all the attention on the man of God, applying a mosaic kind of ministry, whereby just the big man of God knows God. He's the only one who has seen God on the mountain. Nobody else in the church can heal the headache. He's the only one pulling uh, all the sick from the wheelchairs. Nobody else can do anything. In fact, no one else than the man of God writes books in that church. No, no, one, no one has anything. No one, no one has revelation. Nobody else. Why are you building them? Everybody comes to church to watch a show on Sunday. You come for a show. You just watch the man of God perform with his special abilities. That is the biggest sin of the church in our generation. Getting the people of God to become addicted to our performance and dependent upon our only, our unique grace, and not redirecting them to the Lord for them to seek Him and know Him for themselves. The biggest sin of the modern church, of the 21st century church, is to have is this model that we have applied in the church where people don't know God for themselves any longer. The prophet must tell you which job you must take. In which house you must live? Which wife you must marry? Believers no longer read the Bible for themselves. They must be spoon-fed. Spoon-fed. You must be spoon-fed. 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 And that is why 90% of the body of Christ today, especially in Africa... 90% of believers have become zombies. Zombies who are just walking like this. (laughs) Tossed to and fro by any wind of doctrine. Whoever is the one performing the most spectacular thing to their eye, they will just follow that person. And so we have a baby church. Amen? We are training ministers, right? Yeah. This is ministers retreat. Okay. So I just wanted to mention that we will come back to some of the specificities, uh, specificities of what... Uh, we'll come back to some of the specifics. Let me show you something in Acts chapter 13. Acts 13. Okay, just mark Acts 13, right? We're going to read Acts 13, but come to 1 Timothy first. Let me just also just trash this one. 1 Timothy. Jenna. First Timothy 3, verse 1. Let me also trash something else here. This is a true saying. 
Now, listen very carefully to what I'm going to say now. This is cool, right? This session is cool. This is a true saying, verse 1, 1 Timothy chapter 3. This is a true saying. If a man, somebody say amen. Amen. If a man desires the office of a bishop, he desires a good work. Somebody says amen. Amen. Ephesians chapter 4 says what? And he, he, he is what? God. The Lord Jesus who ascended, you know, descended and then ascended. And he gave gifts unto men. Verse 11. And he gave some apostles. The fivefold are a gift of God. The Lord Jesus himself gives the fivefold. Bishopric is man-made. And he, the Lord Jesus, gave some apostles. He gave some prophets. He gave some evangelists. He gave some teachers. He gave some pastors. But if any man desires the office of a bishop, he desires a good thing. So God is not against. He says it's a good thing. But don't put God there. <laughs> hmm? So what does it mean? The fivefold originating God, bishop, deacon, originate in man. Now when I say in man, it doesn't mean in a negative sense. But it means that before a bishop or a deacon appears, it must be Come, it must have been made necessary by human circumstances. When the first deacons were appointed in the book of Acts, it is because a need arose in the church. And the apostles discovered that we need people who will be able to serve at the tables, who will be able to administer the physical things of the church. While we dedicate ourselves to the ministry of prayer and the word. So, bishop is man-made. Deacon is man-made. But God says it's a good thing. Meaning, it is good as long as the justification as long as God agrees with the reason. But it is man-made, and God has given the church the power to do that. God does not appoint bishops. The church does. God appoints apostles, prophets, evangelists, doctors, and pastors. But the bishops become necessary by human circumstances. And sometimes, the Holy Spirit could lead a church leadership because of the situation of their country or in their environment. For example, let me give you a clear example. In this country, there was a, there was a time when, when the 
when this when the government would call for <coughs> the uh, for the conference of bishops, the church the government wanted you know bishops to come and sit and discuss with the government concerning some things of the nation and speak as the church. There was a time when there was no Pentecostal bishop in this country, and so there was nobody there to represent us. That created a necessity for us to have to have at least maybe one or two. But now there are many yeye ones that I've added. Instead of just supporting the, the, the one or two that God wanted this country to have, at least for a long time. You see somebody who does not even know his left from his right in scripture, he's a bishop. Doesn't even have a church. What is he overseeing? See first before you oversee now. (laughs) So, but you get the difference. There must be something in our human conditions. When I went, you you see, sometimes when I hear some people say, oh, you know, it has been a calling from the Lord. The Lord took me into this process. It was not the Lord. It's not, don't put God in anything that is bishop. Or deacon is not God. Now you you may have gone into that process, you know, with the Holy Spirit's agreement. But no, but don't put it on God. What God is concerned with is Ephesians chapter four, verse eleven. Do you hear what I'm saying? It means that bishop and deacon are not callings. So you can be fivefold and you become a bishop, right? Every bishop must be one of the fivefold. Must be an apostle, a prophet, an evangelist, uh, a doctor, a teacher. Amen. But bishop is not a is not a calling. It's not part of the picture. Because today in the modern church we have made it as if you grow from pastor or teacher or evangelist to to prophet. And then finally to apostle. And from apostle, there's only one step remaining, you know. Bishop. No, it's, 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 no, no, no. These things, they're not related. They are not related. Amen. They're not related. Now, what I'm going to say now is a personal conviction. But I believe that, I believe that the Holy Spirit agrees with me on this. I believe that those who do accede to a position of bishop must be apostles. They must be apostles. Did you hear what I just said? I bless the Lord because my own grandfather, which is some of you, your great-grandfather, Bishop Chris Raymond, is an apostle. I believe that every bishop, for those who get there for right reasons, to preserve some of the interests of the kingdom, they must be apostles. Do you hear what I'm saying? Let's open to Acts chapter 13. I'm going to show you some things that 
Uh, what I'm going to say now, I'm you, you, you. I've never heard it anywhere, and uh, I suppose you've never heard it as well. Let's turn to Acts, Acts chapter. We will come back to First Timothy chapter three in our next session. Acts chapter thirteen. Oh, I love this one. So what we are doing today, I'm, I'm, I'm just giving you basic, I'm, I'm giving you some strong foundational points, some foundational truths. We don't have the time to go into all the details of who an apostle is, what he does, who, is a, who a prophet is. We'll do that some other time. But let us get this foundation. Okay? Alright. Because once you have this foundation, you, you can go and study the rest very easily. Hallelujah. Bishops and deacons are not by gifts of the Holy Spirit. They are, by, they are made by human situations, by human circumstances. The work is becoming so big and so heavy that a lot of delegating has to be done. A lot of pastors, I mean layers upon layers upon layers of pastors, and then we'll say, okay, we need to have a bishop here, which is not a must, but it is something that can be done. And the Lord says, if any man desires, he desires a good thing. No problem. It's a good thing. It's a good work. And it also tells me something. If any man does not desire it, don't put it on his head. Hallelujah. You don't, don't put it on his head. If he does not desire it, if he does not have the conviction that he has to carry this administrative and governmental responsibility, because it's mostly administrative and governmental. It has nothing to do with uh, your height in the spirit. Or, no, no, no. Hallelujah. But of course, you must not be a small boy. Not this small bishop. I'm, I'm seeing some bishops who are still peeing in bed spiritually. <laughs> what? Uh, bishops, bishops. I mean, crazy things. Crazy things. What are they overseeing when they can't see first? Acts 13, are you there? Oh, you're going to love this one. I, 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 I love this one. I love this. I love this. Now listen very carefully. You're going to learn something very powerful here. Now, there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers. And Barnabas and Simeon, that was called Niger. And Lucius of Cyrene. And Manaean, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. Of course, we know who Saul is, right? That's Paul, brother Paul. Now, verse 2. Verse 2. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted. Actually, to those who don't want to fast, we will fast. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. The work to which I have called them. Now, is it here that the Holy Spirit calls them? 
No. He had already called them. Like we said, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you and I called you. I ordained you a prophet unto the nations. Paul had been called. You also see that in uh, uh, you see that in Thessalonians. You see that in Ephesians. He talks about how God, in His foreknowledge, called him and appointed him with this entrusted him with this apostleship unto the Gentiles. So, but listen, he says, as they ministered. The Holy Spirit said, separate Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. So now, we don't know whether it is here that Paul and Barnabas discovered their apostolic calling. Nothing tells us that. But one thing we know is that it is here that it is made public. So an apostle may be sitting in your church. You don't know. The person may even know, but doesn't tell you. There's one thing I have made up my mind to never do. I never announce my calling. God revealed my calling to me, and I've never said anything even to my leaders. They must see it and proclaim it. If you are truly an apostle, somebody must say it one day. Somebody must look at you. A spiritual man, a man who has walked with God, must be able to open his mouth one day and say, Oh! I see an apostle here. Oh, I see a prophetess here. Oh, this is a doctor. Oh, I, you are breathing. Pastorate is, is flowing in your... People must see it. You get what I'm saying? Amen. Yeah, yeah. No, you don't tell anybody. I don't believe that it is on this day that Paul learned that he was going to be an apostle. I personally don't believe that. Why? Because at this time already he had walked with God for some time. He was no longer a small boy. So now let me establish one thing here. Apostleship is not by virtue of duration in ministry. Longevity in ministry. You have been in ministry for 20 years. <laughs> then you have grown into an apostle. No, you don't grow into something that God gave you. He gave. He gave you as an apostle to the generation. But maybe your apostolate was not yet revealed. And sometimes you too discover it over time. Let me show you. Let me, I've, I've not yet said what I had to say here. Let me show you. Let me show you in scripture. And then I'll give you one contemporary example. Now, they were in the church that was at Antioch. Listen very carefully. It says what? They were what? The they were in the church. Certain, certain what? Certain prophets and teachers. And they begin to list them. Huh? They begin to list these prophets and teachers. And then in verse 2, they, they are fasting. And as they were ministering, the Holy Spirit says, Separate me, Barnabas and Paul, unto the apostolate that I am calling them to. Are you seeing what I'm, what I'm, what I'm seeing here? These people were listed among prophets and teachers. So before this day, in the church, everybody knew Brother Paul as a prophet and a teacher. 
you may have been known for 10 years as a prophet in the church, as a teacher in the church, as a pastor. Because that's what you, you were functioning in that one. And maybe you yourself, you did not know fully. But as you grow and as you continue to serve God, He begins to show you the other side that He may have hidden to you from the beginning. But it's not that He decided on that at that time. It's not because you grew too much that He said, okay, now you, you have grown to the level where you'll be an apostle. No, it was your original calling. But you first of all had to be identified by other ministry gifts. And this is true mostly, mostly of apostles and prophets. Sometimes a pastor will be known as pastor from, from the beginning and it will stay like that until the end. But this one is known, first of all, Paul was known as a prophet in Antioch and a teacher. Nobody had called him an apostle. Nobody knew that he would sit in the same seat where James and John and Peter and the other one sat. Nobody knew about that. Maybe, again I say, maybe God had begun to minister. You see, let me tell you something. The Holy Ghost will not surprise you with an announcement concerning your calling in public if he had not told you yet. Anything he hasn't told you in the secret first, gently resist that prophecy. Or, even if, or if you respect the person who spoke it, take it and go and pray. And if you don't receive conviction, even if that prophecy, even if you receive that word from me, if you... If, if when you take it to the secret place and you don't receive conviction, if the Holy Spirit does not confirm and say, my daughter, what you heard from my servant is what indeed I want you to do. Because, listen, we prophesy in part. There are men of God, very, very genuine, very powerful, who have stood on a pulpit and declared that this one is a prophet. And, and they made a mistake. It can happen. Do you hear what I'm saying? It can happen. Your spiritual father can make a mistake when he says you are this. You take it. Go and pray. Remember your calling is from the Lord. No one can confer that one upon you. But in most cases, when your leaders are sensitive, God will show them the real thing. But even so, at times, they can make a mistake. I can make a mistake. Oh. In terms of people's callings, I hardly ever miss it. But I know that I can miss it. It can happen. So what will decide the matter? is your personal fellowship with the Holy Ghost until he gives you a conviction. Let me also open this other parenthesis. Some pastor's wives have been punished with, pa- with, with pastoral titles. No, but mama pastor is not pastoral title. Mama pastor is just mama pastor. You see... Some pastors' wives, some wives of some men of God have been punished by tradition. Listen to me. Your husband can be apostle, prophet, whatever. And you are not pastor, prophet, 
whatever. You have misses. It can happen. You're not even a song leader. You're a dangerous businesswoman. Your job, God sent you to God sent you beside that man to be generating money for the ministry. And you are there because of your frustration, you are frustrating people in the in the ministry. Because you're not fulfilled. Let nobody force you into a calling that is not yours. Amen. Do you hear what I'm saying? No, nobody should force you into a calling that is not fully yours. It doesn't mean that you will never preach or no. You don't have to be a fivefold minister to, to take the microphone. No, if you're a believer who is versed with scripture, who has a story with God, any believer can preach the word. But some some wives of some men of God have been put in a prison by some of the titles. Because there are places where, the moment you are a reverend, there are places where you are no longer supposed to be seen. You know that? Hmm? There are places where you're not, you're not supposed to be seen in some places. There are certain things you're not supposed to be, to be wasting your time over any longer. Yeah. But things which are needed and useful. But God wants other people to do that, not you. You know what I'm saying? So, Paul, Barnabas, and the other guys, they were recognized in the church of Antioch, not as apostles. Everybody knew them. And this takes me to this next point that is very strong. And it is the easiest way to recognize a true apostle. A lot of people don't know this in the church. A lot of people think, and this is erroneous because it's not, there's nothing in scripture that substantiates that. Many people think that an apostle is somebody who implants a lot of churches. And so people who have implanted a lot of churches sometimes have self-proclaimed they have appointed themselves apostles. Oh, I've opened 1,000 churches, so I'm an apostle. No. An apostle is not sent to implant churches. An apostle is sent to implant God's truth and God's purpose. That is apostleship. Apostleship is not to implant churches. Any evangelist, any pastor, any good pastor, any good evangelist would do that. Apostles are the custodians, the keepers of the truth. And their number one role is to implant truth, restore truth. And so there are two main characteristics of the apostolic ministry. And we see them here. Qualifications for the apostolic ministry. The prophetic and the teaching. Mm-hmm. Every true apostle. Now, not every prophet is an is 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 a, is, is is an apostle in hiding. You know. Not every teacher is an apostle, but every apostle has a prophetic and a doctoral ministry. 
It is true of the apostles in scripture. It is true of every apostle until date. Any apostle who is not strong in the in the establishment of doctrine in the body of Christ is not an apostle. Or even if he has the calling, he has not allowed himself to be built enough sufficiently to be able to function in that capacity. That is why if you discover, if you sense an apostolic calling, you must be deadly in scripture. You must be you must be ready. You must be ready in the word. Every apostle has a teaching ministry and a prophetic ministry. Prophetic ministry, not in the sense of, uh, uh, I, uh, I, 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 I am seeing, no. We bless the Lord for all of the sin. We, I bless God. Every apostle has a prophetic ministry, not necessarily a prophetic gift. There's a difference between a prophetic gift and a prophetic ministry. In fact, there are lots of the prophets you see on TV who don't yet, who are not prophets. The keyword of knowledge. They have become experts at word of knowledge, but they are not walking in the prophetic office. Do you hear what I'm saying? And there are people you will not hear prophesy, but who know the mind of God. That is what we call a prophetic ministry. Have you noticed that all of these people who claim to be hearing God, I hear God, I hear God, they can only hear God about the menial things of your life. They can't hear God about the direction the church must take. Do you hear what I'm saying? Those are the signs of a true apostle. Paul was a prophet and a teacher. And among this company of prophets of teachers, the Holy Spirit singled him out with Barnabas and said, okay, let us set these ones apart. Some of you remaining will just remain as prophets. Others remain as just teachers. But these ones, I am revealing them as apostles. But their qualifications was to have demonstrated ability in these two ministries. That is why when you want to recognize a prophet, uh, an, an apostle, in addition to the strong teaching ministry that God has given him, and to his ability to correct doctrine and to implant the truth in a given generation. In addition to that ability, you see a very strong prophetic insight. I'm telling you, that is why I know that our great, uh, that our grandfather Bishop Chris is an apostle. He has these two things. That is what I know that Daddy Pay is an apostle. He has these two things. That is why I know. That our father that is known is an apostle. Because these are three human beings who demonstrate what I just said. And if you continue to open your eyes, you begin to see other apostles following them. Do you hear what I'm saying? Now, this, this is very important. Because one thing we have done in the church... The Bible says in Matthew chapter 10, verse 10. Uh, no, not verse 10. You look for the verse, but it's Matthew chapter 10. 
maybe it's verse 8 or something like that. He says what? If you receive a prophet. 41. Huh? 41. Matthew 10, 41. If you honor a prophet in the capacity of a prophet, you receive a prophet's reward. Now, Jesus just used prophet at that time, in that scripture, in that instance, because the other, the other gifts of the fivefold were not yet revealed. If you had said, if you acknowledge an apostle in the capacity of, a, of an apostle, nobody would have understood. So he used what they knew. They only knew prophets and fathers. <laughs> they only knew prophets and fathers. So they knew the fathers, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and they knew the prophets, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Daniel. But Jesus said something, if you acknowledge a prophet in the capacity of a prophet, you receive a prophet's reward. Now, it is important, why was I led by the Spirit of God to give us this teaching on the fivefold? It's because with this generation, you know, God wants to restore the proper organization and recognition of the fivefold. There is one mistake that we make in the church today. For example, calling everybody the same thing is a mistake. Because if you call, if you give a pastor the honor of a teacher, your reward is not defined. Meaning that the grace of a man which is given to him according to his metron, according to his fear, according to his calling, will flow to you in its fullness only when you begin to perceive that grace the way it is. In other words, if the person in front of you is a prophet and you don't know it's a prophet, there is a dimension, there is a level of the grace of God that is bestowed upon him that you cannot receive. He says, if you receive a prophet as a prophet, in the capacity of a prophet, you receive a prophet's reward, meaning you receive something that flows from the prophetic grace upon his life. So this thing is not about titles, but it's, it's about being able to see the grace bestowed upon a man and honoring it, recognizing it. Do you hear what I'm saying? So this is important. That is why I want you to be very clear on what God has called you. If you are not fivefold, if you are not yet sure about it, don't worry. Give yourself some time. If you have a calling as a psalmist, why did I ask us to read 1 Corinthians 12? Maybe we'll finish with that. It's because I want you to see where the song worshippers, you know, all of these other callings, I want you to see where you fall in Scripture. 
There is an erroneous teaching going on right now in the body of Christ that every believer is a fivefold minister. It's not true. Because Ephesians 4.11 says he gave the fivefold for the edifying of the body, for the equipping of the saints. So the fivefold equip the saints. So it means that these saints are not all of the fivefold. And in fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he says, are all apostles, are all teachers, are all prophets. Meaning that it's not for everybody. But you have to know where it falls. So, have you gotten the lesson from uh, Acts chapter 13? God, in, with some of you, God will reveal your calling to you gradually. It's not that he, he's, he's deciding while you're alive. Ah. Before you were formed in your mother's womb. But there are certain things that he will not tell you immediately so that you don't become afraid or proud. Some who have discovered certain things too soon became proud when they were not ready. So sometimes God to to hide you a little bit or to protect you will conceal certain things. He will hide certain things from you until the time when you're ready to take them. And that is why, listen to me, this is a mistake that I've seen in, in, in some ministries. You see, a man of God, because of his insight, he identifies a very, Greek, a very big calling in the life of one of his sons or daughters in the church. And he makes it public. There are things that even if I see in you, even if God tells me, I will not tell you. Until I receive explicit go-ahead from the Holy Spirit to do that. I will not tell you. I've seen some young boys who were told that they were apostles. They became crazy. They carried the apostleship on their head. And since they were told that apostle is the highest... They just, they, they just, they just, they just began to know that you know, they, they are, you know, they can talk on equal terms even to with those who have gone ahead of them. And if you are a pastor, even if you have been in ministry for 20 years, no, the guy is an apostle. You must submit because they are the fathers. That's stupidity. Amen? One thing which is clear, and it is true that the apostolate is the highest of these offices. At first, I didn't believe it. But God showed me in Scripture. 